Welcome to the Seahawkers Podcast with your host, Adam Emmert. You got to give the people, give the people what they want. And Brandon Schultz. Be sure to tell us when it is so we can continue to have Seahawks fans harass you. Go Hawks! This is the Seahawkers Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz of the Military Seahawkers. And joining me, my good buddy and Montana Seahawker, Adam Emmert. How's it going, buddy? Back at the back on the regular platform, I guess, today. Yeah, we're we're switching back and forth, although I, I think we need to talk a little bit about what our plans are moving forward because as we launched the Field Goals podcast last week under the new feed, we had some questions rolling in, and uh, I think we'll we'll probably need to get to those. Yeah, let's do that for sure. But uh, we have a special treat for everybody today. Yeah, we do. We have some some losers coming on the show. <laughs> That's right. Well, they're like they won a little more than us, but they didn't win at all. Yes. Yeah. Well, and you know, they're losers coming on the show with a couple of losers. Uh, it just depends on how you define it, because right. Yes, their team may have lost the Super Bowl, but individually they won their bets over us losers. Uh, to start the season. The Rams podcast, James and Bear, they're going to be coming up on the show and we're going to be talking to them. We're going to have to get this bet thing out of the way right just right out of the gate. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't want it hanging over us anymore. No. We lost. Let's move on. Exactly. Get over it. Mine was a little bit closer, although um, not very exciting to watch throughout the season. Well, I'm sure we'll get into that with those guys. Yeah, you guys might as well have been betting on a glacier. Yeah. How, how many inches with this glacier uh, move in the Until it in, calves? Yes, not super exciting, but it is the off season. And let's before we get into the interview, let's talk about one thing that's kind of swirling around in the the trade rumor mill this last week. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Adam, because the the rumor surrounding Wait, I'll, I'll 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 stop. It's bullshit. Catfish. It is sure. I don't even know what it is yet, any, but I, I any promise rumor, you, Any yeah. rumor is BS. For the most part. All okay. right. What's the rumor? The idea that Odell Beckham could be available via trade. That's floating around out there. Okay. Would you give up? Because I, I think both of us are in on the same idea. We don't want Le'Veon Bell. We don't want Antonio Brown. Former Steelers, they're out. Beckham is a little bit intriguing, though. And we've talked about it that... We wouldn't be opposed to the idea of the Seahawks taking a wide receiver with their first round pick. Mm -hmm. If they were able to get Beckham for a 2019 first rounder, a 2023rd rounder, and let's say you have to throw in Doug Baldwin, do you make that deal for Beckham? Is that even a serious question? I don't know. I, I mean, you really? Hell no. No. All the no's forever no. Really? Huh. Oh my God! Yes. Why in God's green earth would you give up a first, a third, and then also a guy who's every bit as productive as Odell freaking Beckham Jr. with a quarter of the headaches? Who's actually a good dude? You're gonna bring Diva onto your team after you just de uh, divified your team? That that's the dumbest thing in the world. Well, I don't know if if Beckham is quite the diva like at the Antonio He's diva Brown enough. level. He's he's too much diva for you, by far. Okay, yeah. I mean, you said you know you brought you started out with like the Le'Veon Bell and no Antonio Brown because of you know all of the the drama and everything. But you know Beckham's like a little different. No, he's not. He's the exact same freaking guy. 
pouts when he loses, pouts when he doesn't get paid as much as he thinks he should be, has antics on the sidelines. No, thank you. Absolutely not. Hmm. See, his antics aren't as offensive to me. That's fine, but just like Baldwin for him? No, thank you. Hmm. Okay. Along with a first, like that's a that's like if you were if you were the GM of the uh, New York Giants and you just called me with that trade offer, I would have laughed my ass off if I was John Schneider. Now, what if you're John Schneider calling the Giants? Do you think they'd take that deal? Oh yeah, in a heartbeat. Really? Okay. Yeah. My thought on this was Beckham's not a game changer. I think he is, and I think he's younger. And you started to see injury issues with Doug Baldwin this year. That's why it, the idea of, of that combination was somewhat intriguing to me. I think it's a terrible idea. Okay. That's one of your worst ideas ever. <laughs> I'm willing to accept that I have bad ideas once in a while, but I, yeah, I, I mean, don't usually think you're a very brilliant guy and I respect your opinion, but that was stupid. Pairing Russell Wilson with Odell Beckham and having Tyler Lockett on the team. I, I like that combination. Yeah, sure. And then you don't have a first and you don't have a third the next year and you don't have Doug Baldwin. There's no way that you would have Beckham Baldwin and Lockett all on this all on the team at once. No, I wouldn't want him anyways. <laughs> <laughs> like if it was trying to think of somebody that I would I'd be more, you know, more agreeable to that situation with like what about green if, Agent green. If 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 Julio Jones was the same age as Beckham, like I'd be like, I would consider that because Julio's kind of getting up there too, though. That's what I'm saying. He's not a, the same age as Beckham. So, yeah. and not only that, but like, sure, Baldwin had injuries for the first, really, the first time in his career this year. Yeah, yeah. And now you're ready to boot him off the bus for the right guy. I hope uh, I hope your wife listens to the podcast and knows just how loyal you are. My loyalty is to whoever's on the team. There's going to be some things that happen in this offseason where guys go to other teams yeah. and I'm going to have to say, OK, because look, some of the loyalty is so strong that people are saying, oh, hey, maybe we should think about having uh, in terms of wide receivers that come back. Uh, what what about this Jermaine uh, curse guy and having him come back? Yeah, that makes some sense. Oh, sure. Yeah. For the right price. Yeah. But you you're going to tell me that uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be happy in a very predominantly run heavy offense. Isn't that what he had to deal with? I'm on the ball. He didn't didn't even have a quarterback who could get him the ball. He would be ecstatic to have Russell Wilson as his quarterback. Is it any different getting, uh, you know, four and 20 balls completed to you by Eli Manning? Uh, and you just had to run a few up more routes and waste your energy or getting, uh, you know, four balls from Russell Wilson on, you know, 10 routes. You're still only catching four balls. But did you see a lot of antics from from Odell this last year with what he had to deal with, with, you know, them being a predominantly run game? Once is a coincidence. When he gets when he gets to three, let me know. Okay, three years of not being a knucklehead. He got paid. He's growing up. I I think he'll be one of the good ones. No, he would not be one. I'd bet on that one. We'll we'll check in a couple of years, see where we're at. Okay. Well, let's move on. Let's bring on James and Bear from the Rams podcast and and get them their perspectives on the season uh, where the the Rams are going forward and uh, talk about this bet that we lost, Adam. Yeah, they'd probably make that trade for Beckham if they were in charge of the season. I know they would. Yeah, just to screw us. All right, bring him on. Let's get it over with. 
joining us from the Rams podcast. We got James and Bear back on to talk about uh, the bet that we set up uh, among the four of us to start the season. And we can talk a little bit about the Super Bowl and what's in store for the Rams coming up in 2019. James, Bear, how you guys doing? Uh, well, for me, I've, I've been in a K for the past two weeks. Uh, to be honest with you, I've, you know, a little, little down after that Super Bowl loss, but I'm glad to be back talking about football and, and looking forward. But, uh, yeah, the past two weeks, it's been a little dark, been a little dark. Yeah, I'm glad you led with the bet that we had. That kind of cheered me up as I was thinking of this intro. I was like, it could go real bad. You know, it could start with the Super Bowl. We could just lay it all out there. And it was nice of you to, to welcome us with reminding us that we want at least something, uh, you know, here out of the four of us talking today. And we'll get into that Super Bowl. You're right. It wasn't what we wanted to represent, but there are things to look back in the season and say, hey, at least we got that. Well, yeah, we wanted to lead with the bet part because I just wanted to get the crap that I don't want to talk about out of the way so that we can talk <laughs> about the really fun stuff like how Sean McVay got his uh, lunch ate in the Super Bowl. So let's talk <laughs> about the bet. Uh, now, Bear and I, we bet whether or not the Seahawks or the Rams would be the uh, leader in the division by the end of the year. And, uh, you know, the Rams did end up uh, you know, three games up on the Seahawks. But I got to tell you, Bear, I, I got to ask, you never expected it in a million years to be that close, I bet. Uh, I did not, especially as the season started out and we got out to that. I mean, we were, what, 9, 10 and 0 to, to you know, open the season and looking at how the, how the Hawks were at that point. You know, I was ready to clinch that bet and, and have a jersey sent over, you know, by week 10, week 11. I thought that thing was wrapped up. You guys fought hard till the end and, and made it competitive and, you know, obviously got into that wild card position. And I got to come back at you guys really quick. And I know we'll talk Super Bowl and we'll have chances to take digs, but I was really actually pulling for you guys down in Dallas to come back up to Seattle or come back up to LA for that third battle between division rivals. And man, you guys let us down. What happened there too? I mean, we'll, we'll have a chance to talk about that, but I was hoping for that third because I really wanted you to give you a chance to kind of put it back for a double or nothing uh, to give you an opportunity to win that thing back. But we didn't get to see that third game. Uh, we'll just have to wait for next season, I guess. Well, that was one question I had for you, Bear. When we started the season and Adam brought up the idea of betting straight up on who would the, win the division. See, I had it in my mind to, to tell Adam that you, you should try and get some games from these guys, because as soon as the schedule came out, you know, you and, and James were talking about the Rams going 13 and three, 14 and two. So I want to know if the idea of the amount of games would have come up, how many games did you have the Rams beating the Seahawks by and how many of games would have you, would you have given Adam if that would have been part of the bet? Great question. And I'd love to go back to the tape and actually re-listen. Cause I think there was even a, a couple moments where I loosely threw that out there and then took it back as far as like, that's how confident I was. But if I actually had to commit to games, I think my confident in the moment fired up talking with you guys, I think I would have said, Three, I think that's where I would have landed. But then, you know, having the the James mentality in the back saying, dude, calm down. Don't go too crazy. <laughs> I think I'd back it down to about at least I think I'd take one game back. And I, I think I was pretty confident with a two game win over the division going into it. I mean, we were so hyped up. It really didn't even turn out the way we exactly thought as far as, you know, looking at this defense that we went out and got. And we're like, man, no one's ever going to score points on us. And then it found out that our defense was one of the weaker parts throughout the season until the playoffs. But 
uh, you know, we kind of had this higher expectation of what was really coming in. So I think at that point, I definitely would have been open to giving a couple games, especially as a straight up bet. I really just didn't see the Seahawks taking over and, and you know, winning that division uh, at that point. And obviously through the season, I didn't. But probably about two games is where I, where, where I think you could have talked me into it. Now, James and I had the bet of who would have more interceptions between Shaquille Griffin, you know, coming into his second season and Marcus Peters, who was picked up off uh, from the Chiefs in the offseason. And, you know, I, I was confident that even though Shaquille Griffin didn't have any interceptions his rookie season, that he this was going to be a, a big year for him where he made a leap. And I expected Peters, even though he had a lot of interceptions, to kind of come back down to earth a little bit. Maybe they'd stay away from his side of the field. And I thought we had a pretty good bet going, James. And I think for both of us, it turned out to be one of the most boring bets that I've ever entered into. <laughs> Definitely one of the most boring. But I'm, I'm, of course, happy that I chose that because I am yet to win in any of our bets. So I'm happy. I was a little worried in the beginning of the season. I think we both started off with with one interception early on, and then you, you started t- off with one early on, and and Shaq Griffin got both uh, of his two interceptions oh, right, in one right. game against the Lions, and so I was up on you for a good while, two to one. Right, you were, and I, I was shaking in my boots a bit because, uh, and then when Talib got hurt, the performance from Marcus Peters kind of died back. So I was a little bit worried that he wasn't going to be able to to get anything done, and you know he started missing tackles, and I didn't know if he was going to get a big interception. Every single game, I would text Bear like, "This is going to be his game interception for a touchdown." I promise you, it's going to happen. So I started off, I, yeah, like you said, shaking in my boots a bit, but I'm glad that he ended up with with three overall and, and pulled through for us. Yeah, next time, let's not bet on uh, defensive stats for, for a bet. Because uh, it, it is very lackluster, except for maybe sacks. I guess maybe that would be something that's actually exciting. But interceptions, I mean, geez, I mean, who leads the league this year in interceptions? It can't be more than 10. Yeah, I think it was uh, one of the guys from Chicago had about six or seven. You're, you're right. It was kind of a, a boring one to follow. But at the same time, it was kind of like watching golf or soccer in a sense. Like when something exciting did happen, it was like, oh, my gosh, another interception. Or when Marcus Peters, I mean, we got to break him down all year in the disappointment. And I brought the bet up a lot through our conversations with James because, you know, James was one of the biggest at least on, on our conversations, the biggest hater of Marcus Peters throughout the year, like this guy, you know, he got our anti-game ball, which is our play-action ball, which is we give to a player that, you know, we were disappointed in, in throughout the season or in, in a game. And he got that more than anybody else this season from James. And he kept going, man, I can't believe him. I don't want to resign him, this, this, and that. And I'm like, that's your guy. That's your guy. And he ended up coming out and, that, and you know, he turned the page a little bit, but won it for James just by just by a what it ended up being one, right? I think it, it yeah, was, I think it was but, a tipped pass in either week sixteen or seventeen where he got the his third interception for the year. Right. <laughs> I will say though, I mean, if if you go back to the beginning of the season and kind of look at where you were, the the uh, potential for our bet throughout the season kind of would allow us to maybe bite our nails a little bit more than Adam and Bear's bet because in the beginning I was just like, Bear, you you got this one, solid man. I I mean, you, I know that the Rams are going to win the division, but you were making me worry when you were you guys were talking about in that initial show. 
uh, how many games you're going to give them because we called each other afterwards and <laughs> Bear can Bear can come, you know, get a little excited when it comes to bets and make some silly decisions. So uh, I'm glad that it ended up winning for both of us. But Bear, you know, I, I'll tell you one thing, Adam, you can probably, if you keep the conversation going, you can probably get him to bet quite a bit this next year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I, I'm still hanging my head a little bit from this last year. But with that said, like if Pete Carroll would have just given the ball to Chris Carson the first three games instead of not giving the ball to Chris Carson... Like they, we might have been tied. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would have been close. And then the games between Rams and Seahawks were so damn close. Right. Yeah. Pete Carroll himself. I think like a lot of us, I mean, you guys were near the bottom of the barrel last year in rushing yards. And then this year ended up at the top of the barrel. Right. And I think it just took a couple of games for Pete Carroll to go, wow, we actually have an offensive line that's going to move the football. And we've got a couple uh, backs, Chris Carson being one of them, being able to give him the rock. And once he switched that up and you guys went to that ground and pound, uh, you guys were a completely different team. I totally agree. And that's why I'm kind of curious about what is next for you guys. And we can have this conversation on both sides of the table. But I'm really curious about the running back situation uh, free agency. I, one of the questions I really have for you is, are you interested in going and getting a big time back? And I know, you know, Le'Veon Bell's going to, you know, command a huge salary that you guys might not be able to afford. But would that be a guy you'd be interested in if you've seen what the, the run game could do to add kind of that elite player? Or are you good with that running back class that you guys already have? Yeah, I'm not remotely uh, interested in Le'Veon <laughs> Bell. That that guy, the locker room cancer, the head case, the guy who may or may not play, depending on eh, whether or not he feels like he's getting paid enough that day. Like, no, thanks. I'll, I'll take somebody who's productive like Chris Carson, who's a seventh round pick who I have to pay basically tiddlywinks to. And I can <laughs> actually keep spending on, you know, defensive line and offensive line. That's what I want to see this offseason. I want him just to build in the trenches even more. Like just put everything right there. Well, and that's one of the things that Adam and I have talked about just in these last few shows after the season. You know, what are the position groups that you feel good about versus which position groups do you think that the Seahawks could actually improve upon? And we look around the team and apart from quarterback with Russell Wilson, the one position group that we kind of agreed on that we're pretty OK at is running back and like address anywhere else. I mean, if you decide to bring back Mike Davis, you already have Chris Carson and you have your first round pick Rashad Penny. So do they really, and, and then they have a couple other guys, you know, CJ Proceis who didn't really play this year. He's still under contract. They he's have not other on the guys. Team. <laughs> well, you don't expect him to be on the team, but he's on the team right now. He's not on the team. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a position that we weren't that concerned about. So that's a, that's an interesting question on the flip side for you guys, uh, James and bear about the running back situation. I mean, for, uh, so this was Gurley's third year, correct? Or fourth year, third year. Fourth yeah, year, because fourth he year. just finished his, uh, he just yeah, signed okay. a, a new deal going into this year. Yep. Right. So basically, you know, had the, the decent rookie season, uh, but you kind of these last couple seasons, you see him break down towards the end of the year. Like, and you see somebody like fat CJ Anderson come in and be more productive. Like, what's your concern there? I mean, are you guys looking at CJ Anderson and saying, we need to bring him back? Do we need to bring in more depth behind Gurley and take some carries out of his hands? Uh, I'll, I'll start that. And I don't really think that 
I would say really broke down. I think that he, you know, we were hearing that there were some, some issues with his knee, nothing too serious, but they were just not giving him the playing time he expected. And it ended up working out for us. CJ Anderson was amazing in the playoffs. And, you know, you kind of, that question's up in the air is why didn't we utilize Todd Gurley enough in the Super Bowl? And, you know, that's a great question. But when we're looking at the offseason and the moves we're going to make, I'm not, I have zero concern about Todd Gurley or uh, going on to next year. I think he's going to have an amazing year again. Not too sure what we're going to do with CJ Anderson, but man, did he perform well for us. And as far as being concerned about it, I just think, you know, Gurley was having a little bit of uh, being sidelined because of his knee hurting. And I just think that we weren't able to really fit him back into the equation towards the end. And, you know, everybody in Rams Nation is still all confused about it. I'll, of course, let Bear provide more detail. But, you know, concern with Gurley, none for me. Yeah, that's crazy. That's that's a tough one because there's, I mean, that is the almost the question of the offseason for the Rams besides what are we going to do with like the 45 free agents that we have and how are we going to, are we going to try to spend money to rebuild this that way? Are we looking to kind of find other pieces and, and you know, create a new new team to kind of go after another Super Bowl run? But with Todd Gurley, man, it is frustrating. There were points where we were, you know, boldly saying, you know, he's an MVP candidate. He deserves to be in that conversation up to about week 12, week 13, he was he was in that mix. And then all of a sudden, uh, he gets a little banged up. He misses a couple games. We pick up CJ. And then in, in two of the biggest games of his career, uh, he's one, uh, not really utilized. So we can't blame him too much for that. But then two, when he does kind of got those opportunities, you know, we saw him in that New Orleans game tip the pass, which got intercepted. He dropped two other passes. He kind of went back to that style that we saw under Jeff Fisher, where he kind of just didn't have that confidence. He'd get the ball, he'd run to the line, he'd hit the first guy in the back, a lineman, and he would just not go anywhere. We saw him open up a little bit in the Super Bowl on some of those outside zone run concepts that he did so well throughout the season. But there's a lot of questions on, you know, there, now people are trying to say, oh, the relationship between those two are, it's getting, you know, will they trade Todd Gurley? And it's like, wow, there's a lot of noise behind it. And there will be all the way up till week one of the NFL season, how is he going to be utilized? And, and the first question starts with like what you said with CJ Anderson. Is he someone you want to bring back? I say, yes, uh, we had Malcolm Brown back there and you need somebody to let the guy breathe a little bit or come in or create some sort of matchup problem for a defense, make them think a little bit. We begged for them to put both those guys in the backfield in the playoffs. They never seem to really want to do that, but a lot of questions there. I like CJ. I think CJ is a great veteran guy to have on here. He's, he's, he's countable as far as in pass blocking. Uh, even when you want to give him 10 carries, he can be productive that way. Uh, so we saw Malcolm Brown have a pretty decent season before he got injured. I'd like to have a complimentary back. I think CJ's looking for a home. I don't know how much after having a you know a couple really good games what he's going to try to demand as far as uh, looking at money. I think that's what it comes to, obviously, on every team at the end of the day. But I love the combo of those two together. I just want to see Todd uh, at you know the highest point of what we know Todd Gurley with CJ Anderson and not kind of this shell of himself and you know is he injured is you know the game plan not going the right way but you know you go back to that Super Bowl and you look at our first eight drives we didn't have anything over five plays on any of those drives it's tough to get your number one running back going uh, especially as you know he likes to utilize that play action and try to pass the ball a little bit when you can't get more than five plays on a drive it's it's hard to heat up a running back. Uh, but we definitely have to figure out what is the method that we use week one through 13 and do that a full season. Or if we're going to do it in those chunks, 
do it in the second half. Maybe the first five games will let Todd Gurley kind of suck and be questioned about and then let him tear off all those great 100-yard games, three touchdown games. Uh, but it was really disappointing, obviously, at the end of it to see, man, we've got a, a running back controversy to end the season coming out of a Super Bowl. That's, that's going to make for a fun offseason, right? Yeah, that had to be unexpected for you guys. I'm curious, though, what you when you go back and you look at that. Now, everybody's talking about is Todd Gurley hurt? Uh, and, and is that why the Rams didn't use him to, you know, kind of the way they expected to use him? Was it the way, you know, Belichick kind of coaches his team to take out the the one part of the the game that he thinks is going to beat you and did McVay think that that Todd Gurley was going to be that guy that Belichick was going to try and take away so was there just some gamesmanship there in your opinion what was really happening there to why Todd Gurley didn't get his opportunities especially in the Super Bowl Belichick thinking that they were going to need to stop Gurley was kind of an obvious, but at the same time, Gurley wasn't really that impact player in the postseason for us uh, as much as CJ Anderson was. So I think Belichick understood that he definitely had to stop the run. But here's the issue with the first drive of the, the game, like Bear mentioned, we, we, tried running the ball twice and then we did a bootleg and we did a, a shotgun for Jared Goff. I think we should have attempted to run the ball all four plays, all three plays uh, in order to get those guys a little bit more comfort and kind of ship away. Goff running a bootleg on the third play of the Super Bowl just wasn't a smart decision. I was pretty irritated that we weren't trying to run the ball and I would have been a lot happier if we just ran three run plays in a row and it didn't work out and we ended up punting because then you can try to just relax a bit. You know, Goff is still pretty young. Tom Brady had been in the Super Bowl nine times and this was Goff's first appearance and he was just I just think we should we should have uh, cooled the engines with doing our typical plays I'm, I'm really surprised that that uh, Sean McVay didn't mix things up a lot more against New England because we all know that they're able to break these offenses down and we just didn't we didn't mix things up enough and and to begin the game I just don't think we tried to run the ball enough yeah it just goes back to for me it goes back to you know just like James said, starting out the game, we didn't get him going. We, you got to rev that engine from the beginning. And I think he had three touches in the first half alone. Uh, that's not enough for your stud running back. And you're talking about only getting five plays in your first eight possessions. Like James said, I almost would, would almost rather have him be stubborn and go run, run, run to open the game and really just say, hey, we're going to pound it. And then we're going to use that play action behind it and really commit to the run and build everything off of that. I think he tried to get into that play action and getting Jared Goff going before we actually got a run game going. And it played right into Bill Belichick's hands. He started throwing uh, different looks that they'd seen in the last two weeks that they prepared for. You talk, you heard Andrew Whitworth and McVay talk after the game about how uh, they saw different looks that they weren't really expecting. And for, for that, for me, if you're seeing that in a secondary, like just go back to the ground, just pound it. You got two guys. We just talked about you got two guys especially C.J. Anderson, who's like a bowling ball, like let him just fall forward for three yards. I know he was getting met in the backfield a handful of times, but yeah, I think the, the play calling and it, it was just a disappointment in that game. You go back to Sean McVay and he always takes blame for it. So it's tough because you can't be like, ah, oh, why won't you just you know accept accountability? He always does that. But at this point, we're so used to that that we're like, I don't want to hear you say it's your fault. Like just do something different. Like make adjustments at halftime. It's a Super Bowl halftime. you got... 45 minutes or whatever it feels like. You need a whole concert going on. Make some adjustments. Come out, run the ball. If they're doing something different you weren't expecting, do something different to throw at them. And that would be maybe putting both running backs in the backfield, 
have a couple things that if it's not going right, go to this. And they just didn't seem to have that second page of production. And, and the, the you know upsetting thing is we look over the defense. Our defense played really, really well against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl, but they don't get much credit because it came down to that fourth quarter and Tom Brady does what Tom Brady does and goes and makes a big throw and, and the one big drive that brings us down and, and we couldn't really respond. So that was the frustrating thing is seeing what this offense can do all year long and then coming to the biggest stage and then have to hear everyone in the national media go, three points? Three points? So yeah, frustrating uh, to say the least, but uh, but it'll be interesting to see how they come out next season, if they come out on fire with that offense or if they come out you know, with that Super Bowl hangover you always hear about. Bear, that's hilarious to hear you talk about the offense because all year we were hearing Sean McVay is changing the NFL, this high-flying, high-octane offense, and throw the ball all over the field, and then you know with run it with Gurley behind that, and just everybody just oogling over the you know forty-five points a game and all that stuff. And now you're sitting there going, "Yeah, man, I just wanted him to pound the ball like two backs <laughs> and, and just have a dude fall yeah. forward for like three yards." And like that sounded like. Pete Carroll Seahawks football. That's what that sounded like. Oh, yeah, exactly. And you're right. I'm sitting here begging on Super Bowl Sunday to see 32 rush attempts. Like, that was my goal, was to see 32 rush attempts on Super Bowl Sunday. You're right. It blows my mind even thinking about it, too. But, man, that is the way that football team seemed to – it's like they peaked early, and then they fought through a couple tough times near the end of the season – came into the playoffs limping and, and kind of changed their profile. And then that's kind of what you had to go get from them. But yeah, it's funny hearing you say that too, because you're right. We were talking about, <laughs> oh, Jared Goff at a time for MVP, which now everyone would roll their eyes 10 times over with that thought, thinking back to early in the season when he had some high touchdown numbers, low interception numbers, and some good yardage. But man, that, that passing attempt just really... I mean, the loss of Cooper Cup was huge for us. I mean, moving forward, trying to fill okay, that Okay, I got to stop you. I got to stop you with this Cooper Cup thing. All right? Oh, come on, bring like, it. Every broadcast that I listen to, when the Rams start to struggle for two seconds, well, you know they lost Cooper Cup, and that was basically their entire offense, and the whole thing fell apart. <laughs> like, it was like he was, it's like he was Jerry Rice and Calvin Johnson put together into one receiver, and he made the entire league go, and, like, he goes out, <laughs> and, like, apparently nothing can be done on the Rams' offense anymore. Well, I think, unlike, you know, classifying him as this Jerry Rice, he allowed us to open things up and he was a you know, he had a lot of trust from Jared Goff. I think we were 60 plus percent on third down conversions when Cooper Cup was in the mix versus uh, below 30% when he wasn't. So Cooper Cup added an element to this offense that we just couldn't replicate, which kind of helped bring everything down a bit. I mean, we couldn't open up the running game as much when we had couldn't rely on, on him. His replacement, Josh Reynolds, is an amazing receiver, but he can't run routes like Cooper Cup. He's tall and lengthy, can snag that ball, but... You know, he doesn't have the route running that Cooper Cup did, and that route running opened up uh, availability for the other receivers and opened things up uh, in the running game for us too. So, you know, I think all those things were a huge factor on on the decline there. Yeah. I think what Adam's getting at, though, is that, yes, he's good, but should he have been the difference that you can point back to and say Cooper Cup was the difference between the Rams scoring three points in the Super Bowl and scoring 16 points? I, I, you would if you would have gone into that game 
knowing that the Patriots were only going to put up 13 points on the board, you wouldn't have said, oh, well, not having Cooper Cup wouldn't be a factor in, in not winning this game. We'll be able to score 16 points easy on this well, team. Well, I, I think by by time it got to the Super Bowl, we were kind of, you know, done playing the Cooper Cup game because our, our offense has evolved at that point, right? We had CJ Anderson, who was a major threat going into the Super Bowl, who would have thought we would have been a dual back threat uh, back there. And, you know, in the beginning of the season, that was by far not the case at all. So we had evolved a lot. Our defense was a completely different defense than we saw in the beginning of the season too. So yeah, you're right. I mean, you go and saying the Patriots are only going to score 13. It's almost a, you would think a guarantee that the Rams are going to get more than that, but it was just offensively, man, it just was. And I don't think people really were, were pointing the finger at Cooper cup at that point. I think that was, you know, a lot of the conversation when he initially got hurt in the beginning, but when it got to the Super Bowl, we were a completely different offense. Yeah, that's that's a great point for James as far as saying, you know, our, the offense was different at that point. But at the same time, as you were kind of, you know, building that Brandon and saying if he was there and they only scored 13 points, would you have felt more comfortable with that? I'm, I was kind of nodding my head going, yeah, though, because there were so many plays where, you know, we had third and two or third and four and Jared Goff got pressure and didn't have that release valve. James said the stats, 60% on third down with Cooper Cup down to like 32 without Cooper Cup. I mean, he was the go-to third down guy, and we just didn't have that extra release valve. It was Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, and Todd Gurley the rest of the season. And then, obviously, we just talked about what Todd Gurley did. So it was two guys, you know, and we had a, a sprinkle of Gerald Everett and, you know, Higby in there. But there was no consistency with Reynolds even. We just didn't have that guy that, you know, almost in a sense, Jared Goff could close his eyes and just throw it in a direction, and that's where Cooper Cup was going to be. He was that impactful on this offense. And if you just watched him throughout the beginning of the year, if he stayed healthy, we possibly could have had three wide receivers over a thousand yards. He was on that pace for that. And obviously the other two with Woods and, and Brandon Cooks that went over that that thousand yard mark. But it was tough for people to stop three weapons uh, on the in the passing game. And when it came down to going, all right, we got to stop two or at least control two. And then these other guys are you know, let them get their four catches for 60 yards if they're lucky, right? And Jared Goff lost that comfortability, uh, and then our whole offense changed. So I do, in a weird way, think if we had Cooper Cup in this game, we may have seen a different outcome just on the on Jared Goff having another target to really relieve to. I mean, yeah, it was. it's tough to say. It's a, it's a lot of guessing game, and from an outsider's perspective, I could understand where you're going, yeah, right. But uh, here at Rams Nation, we believe that. <laughs> well, I believe that you that you believe that Cooper Cup was maybe the biggest what if from the season. You know, what right. if he would have stayed healthy through the whole season? Now, I, the one thing I want to ask both of you is what's the biggest what if from within that game? You know, if the Rams make a play at one particular moment in the game, how does it change the rest of that game? Is there any is there any play that jumps out to either of you as, you know, if, if the Rams would have converted in this particular situation, if a guy would have held on to the ball, what play was that for you? Well, Brandon, I can answer that real quick for you. The, the what <laughs> if is, the what if is, what if Bill Belichick hadn't started texting Sean McVay through the entire season and gotten into his head like in week two? Like that's the biggest what if of that game. Belichick knew who he thought he was going to be facing. He started playing uh, games, head games with McVay back in the middle of the regular season. <laughs> yeah, it, it, right. You watch some of the, the sounds of the game and right before the game, McVay goes up to Belichick and before Belichick even says hi, he's like, I respect you, man. I love everything about you. And it's like, you're right. He did. He played him early as far as getting the respect. 
But as far as the actual game game goes, I know there's a couple. So I'll take a couple. I'll, let, I'll leave a couple for James because obviously we know a couple big ones as well. But I really look at, and this is, and I, I hate for this is my lead because obviously we went through the whole New Orleans uh, game and had to deal with the pass interference and everyone complaining about the refs and whatnot. And I'm not saying this isn't a hold or not, but there was a play in the fourth quarter with about 10 minutes to go where we had just stopped them. It's 3-3. We're getting the ball. We're finally got consecutive plays in a row where we're moving the football. And hey, we actually gave it to our stud, Todd Gurley, who broke off about a 14-yard gain where he cut to the left. It was called back on a holding on John Sullivan. You go back and you look at it, eh, like he's he's got him in position in front of him and the guy leaps to the right. There may be a little bit of hold, uh, but it brought us back and it ended up giving us a second and 20 instead of a first down inside the Patriots uh, field position. From there, we absolutely have horrible play calling. I think it ends on a third and 20 draw that goes for like one yard and we end up punting the ball. It was a terrible punt from Johnny Hecker that gave him position at the 30 yard line. And what do you know? Tom Brady takes that, comes all the way down the field and scores a touchdown. So that whole little, uh, from the hold to the bad punt, uh, leads right into them getting points. They take the lead 10 to three. And that was for me, that was the ball game. Uh, but there are a couple other plays. I'll let James. I, you know what, Bear? What I, I have to interrupt on. you. I think you were right to to hesitate before coming to that play because, from a Rams fan, uh, complaining about a, a, a call in the Super Bowl yeah, uh, when it was can't. a call that got you to the Super Bowl, you, you probably should have just left that one out. Yeah, you can't. And but at the same time, whether or not I agree with the call, which I, I, I'm not saying I, I don't agree or, or disagree with the call, but that play. Whether if it, if it was a blatant hold, it still would have killed us. That play still, I would still look at that play. If he grabbed him a face mask and took his head off, I would still look at that play and go, that was the deciding play in my eyes where we're yeah. driving. We get a big run from Todd Gurley, who's been nowhere all game, starting to get some confidence. And all of a sudden we're punting, bad punt. They come down and score a touchdown. So, yeah, I don't want to complain about the call at all because I had to deal with that for two weeks. And that was a, that was I was so done with the petitions and, you know, all this stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I don't want to complain about the call at all. But that play to me is really where everything turned. Oh, well, they got you, Bear, on the on the no call. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think Brandon Cooks is going to be kicking himself for a couple uh, missed potential touchdown passes. And I think for me specifically, uh, the play what, in, earlier on in the game, the one to not tie the game when it was still still the third quarter, about 340 left or so, we were down 3-0. And Brandon Cooks uh, just... He could have pulled that in, and that one for me is the one that kind of that kind of hurt the most. Yeah, I'll add one more Brandon Cooks play to that, and that is the pass right before the interception that basically uh, sealed the game. Is a beautiful pass from Jared Goff, and he didn't have many on this day. Maybe you know three or four, you know, great passes from Jared Goff. That was one of them over the shoulder uh, again. I'm not asking for any type of interference because it's the Super Bowl, but he had about a, a hand and a half on it. And as a good, good receiver, I expect you to make that catch. He couldn't get enough to get his second hand up to make the catch. He drops it. That would have put him down maybe at the one, maybe inside the end zone for a touchdown to tie that game at that point. Instead, uh, it's broken up. He can't make the catch. That's the second, I don't want to say Brandon Cook fail, but drop pass from him in, a, in the end zone. And the next play, Jared Goff, I don't know why, but goes back to the exact same play as far as who he's throwing to. He's under pressure. He's throwing off his back foot. 
We talked about it as a throw that you just can't make in the Super Bowl at that point. There's no time when you're down seven with four minutes to go, wherever it is, that you're going to throw up a 50-50 ball. If, if that, like that is not a uh, let's toss it up type of throw. You got to let that one you either eat the sack or you throw it out of bounds or you throw it at someone's feet. That was a really ill-advised pass, but that came again right after a play that you could look at as a turning play. So that's what happened. You look at this game, four or five plays that that really you know can decide a Super Bowl, and probably four out of five of them didn't go the Rams' way, and they were combined with uh, a, you know mistakes. So you know you miss you know the the holding, and then all of a sudden they come down and score, and then you have the miss touchdown pass, and then you know the next pass is an interception. So they turned fast in the Super Bowl. Uh, and it was disappointing, but those are probably a few that you know highlight the Rams' disappointment. And then there were three quarters of complete boringness that you know obviously you could highlight as well. What about the strategy of McVeigh to not communicate with Goff once they lined up? Because all year they're operating one way, you know, get up to the line quickly, communicate with Goff before that fifteen seconds uh, of communication turns off. They seem to take a little bit different strategy with uh, with Belichick, you know, trying to take away some of the adjustments maybe on the defensive side, and they were much slower to get up to the line with the offense, and just the idea of doing it one way all season and then changing it in the Super Bowl in one of the biggest games. You know, why why make that change? Yeah, I just think that goes back into the McVeigh, what the heck are you doing? You know, scratching your head and, and you're behind this guy and you, you love the, you know, like Adam was saying earlier, oh, this is the guy that's changing the game and he's doing all these things. Then all of a sudden you get to the Super Bowl and you're like, oh, we're going to stay in the huddle longer. Oh, we're not going to get up there because of because of you. We're going to change this. And I, I just don't like that re- reactionary type of style that he kind of took. Instead of just going, hey, this is what we are. This is what we do. You're going to have to try to figure out how to beat it. Uh, we kind of looked at them again. As Adam said, you know, week two when Belichick called him, maybe he's got in his head a little bit. And he thought, I'm going to try to outsmart him and do this a little different and kind of throw him off. And Belichick was going, all right, whatever. Like, we're still going to throw some zone defense at you and, and confuse you. And, and we're not changing what we're doing. So uh, it was a game that I felt that he kind of tried to play with with nobody, in a sense, uh, because I think Bill Belichick is kind of above that. So it was a little shocking that we didn't do a lot of that hurry up. And, and the one thing is to get into that hurry up, you got to move the football. You got to pick up first downs. That's a lot of times you see them get into that is after they pick up a first down. Jared Goff is running behind the line saying, get up, get up, let's go. And, you know, I've said it five times. I'll say it one more time. The first eight possessions, five plays. They were just per possession uh, on average. There was no chance to ever really get in that rhythm. And I think they just got comfortable in, okay, this is what we're going to do in this game. Uh, And again, the adjustments were shocking from McVay that we didn't see more of them. So, yeah, disappointment. And I think that McVay's going to have to, you know, again, live on this one for a while, just like everybody. But a lot sits on his shoulders. Yeah, and I'll just add to that. Uh, I just saw an interview recently with the linebacker from the Patriots basically saying that he was shocked that the Rams didn't have any creativity or didn't really mix things up too much in the Super Bowl. We we saw that jet sweep. They shut it down immediately, and we didn't see anything new out of the Rams. We we know that these guys had two weeks, even though they had to deal with all the media, to to come up with some stuff. And everybody's talking about the how Sean McVay is this 
uh, offensive genius. And, and if you know him, that you can get yourself a job in the NFL. But then when it goes to the Super Bowl, he only scores three points and has no offensive production. And it was pretty sad that they just, against the Patriots, who's a smart team and that smart coaching, this, this wasn't their first rodeo. But uh, the Rams, for some reason, just didn't mix things up or get creative nearly at all in the Super Bowl. And that's probably part of the reason we didn't do crap. Well, it is interesting to hear you guys talk about the inability of coaches to make adjustments because you talked about earlier wanting to talk a little bit about the the Cowboys and Seahawks and the fact that the Seahawks had that opportunity to beat the Cowboys and come to L.A., have that third matchup between these two teams. And for us, too, it was that game against the the Cowboys and Seattle that we were frustrated with the coaches and the inability to make adjustments. You know, they were like you were frustrated that they didn't pound the ball early on in that game against the Patriots. That's all this, the Seahawks did against the Cowboys and Dallas knew that it was coming and they they were able to stop it for the entire first two quarters. Even in the third quarter, they, the Seahawks come back out and they're still they're, they take that same strategy of continue to pound the ball. All we wanted them to do was make an adjustment, try and throw the ball down the field a little more because they were not giving Seattle an inch in the run game. And so it's kind of interesting that that both of us are frustrated to to end the season with coaching adjustments, yet it's just a, a little bit uh, in different directions. Right. Yeah, it's crazy that uh, it's so difficult for experienced coaches like Pete Carroll or even a coach like Sean McVay, who's you know young and up and coming, being coaches that struggle with adjustments in game. That is something that is really bizarre to me. To, that would seem like the easiest thing to do. Oh, so we tried this and they're doing that. Okay, we'll do this instead. Like, I, I'm no rocket surgeon, but that feels like that should be the easier thing to do. It does seem like, you know, watching McVay over the course of this season, he's an amazing coach when he's got time to prep and he gets his game plan done ahead of time. But when it comes to actually having to make some big adjustments in game, like the Bears game kind of sticks out to me that way, uh, might not be his strong suit yet. Or maybe they're just stubborn. Maybe he just really wanted to watch the halftime show and <laughs> decided to sneak out and watch some Adam Levine and Travis Scott instead of making adjustments uh, during halftime. I don't know. Nobody wanted to watch that halftime show. McVay strikes me as a Maroon 5 fan, so you might be onto yeah. something. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if McVay is a, a Maroon 5 guy. So, yeah, maybe that was it. He snuck out for a little peek and was like, oh, crap, this is my time. And, and that was the thing we saw all season long. Wade Phillips was always what we talked about as kind of that halftime adjustment king in in our year because we always came out really soft on the defensive end in the first half. And then we found a way to hold the team to three or seven points in the second half and and really shut it down. But yeah, again, uh, maybe that's something in McVay's early career. And I think that's something, you know, they they look at and the people say, oh, Jared Goff isn't ready for this game. Sean McVay isn't ready. This is Sean McVay's second year as a head coach. He's got some learning to do, right? He has some growth and development. Same with Jared Goff, the fastest player to be drafted number one in the NFL draft and make it to the Super Bowl in his third year. And his first year, he didn't even play, really. I think he's, his first start was up in Seattle with a special teams coach. I mean, so he's still developing in his own right. I don't think he was ready for that game as far as the experience goes and things like that. But I don't think he won't be ready for that game. I, I mean, we saw some really big throws from him in that New Orleans Saints game in that fourth quarter and overtime that kind of showed that he can handle a big-time situation. Even going back throughout the season, one of the bigger games you can look at is uh, you know that game on Monday Night Football versus the Kansas City Chiefs. That was back and forth, and he made throw after throw in that game. So I know he can play in a big game 
Uh, but these guys are still getting there for the first time. I know that's not really the best excuse, but at the same time, I think that they're, they will develop, and I'm still really excited about this team kind of moving forward. Yep, they were too young, and you guys got your comeuppance, and uh, I'm really happy about it. But let's uh, let's <laughs> let's talk about uh, the the next season, uh, the Rams going forward here. You know, everybody, we saw this team come together last off season. Ever the GM kind of took uh, an approach of uh, go for broke and loaded up on a lot of talent. And uh, you got a lot of guys that are coming available here in free agency. I mean, as I look at the list, like I don't know what you guys are going to do without Sean Mannion, QB. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny about Sean Mannion too is I loved is is there was so much talk about Sean Mannion in the preseason because one, we didn't see our starters all preseason, so all we got to look at was Sean Mannion, but everyone was so concerned about Sean Mannion and, and last season going, we gotta get rid of this guy. And uh you're right, he's he's on the list in that free agent uh on that free agent list. And you know what, I think it's time to let Sean Mannion go, but I, I love that intro. And but there's there is a lot of guys um, that we have to make decisions on. And and, you know, there's guys like Indomitian Sue, who was kind of a one year rental, uh, seeing what we're going to do with him. He didn't play really well until, you know, the final stretch, final three games of the year. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner was our franchise tag. He didn't really, uh, I guess, play himself into a massive contract. There's going to be some team out there that will pay him. I still think he's a great a safety in that regard, but is he worth the big bucks that he may feel coming off of a franchise tag? You know, Roger Saffold, one of the key pieces, one of the longest tenured Rams on the O-line, um, you know, and then, and then there's like, you know, even looking at some of the other guys as far as that came up this year, Corey Littleton played out of his mind, played really well. He's still really young, really cheap, but he's a free agent, so he's going to deserve some money. I'm wondering if there's going to be a team that wants to invest and try to give some more money or what the Rams value that at. And then the decisions of just a couple of the new guys that we got, Aqib Tlaib, Marcus Peters, both those guys we can get out of their contract uh, for this coming year and, and be able to kind of slide through and dump some money and, and you know, go a different direction. Mark Barron's another one that's going to be paid, you know, I think $8 million next year, but he, dead money is only worth like a million we didn't get great production with him until the end of the year. Shocker, all these guys that are on the free agent kind of hold it out for the end of the season. But there is a lot of decisions, you're right. And I think kind of to just answer a couple of that, I would, I'd be fine with seeing Sue leave. I would love to see Barron maybe moved and, and get a different position at linebacker there. Uh, I would love to see us keep our cornerbacks as much as we hated on Marcus Peters. I think with him, with Tlaib healthy, I think is a great combination, but uh, James, your thoughts on some of our free agents and, and what we're going to do? So I want to kind of branch out on what, what uh, Bear was saying specifically when it comes to Peters because we have a big-time decision in this offseason on what we're going to do. Probably cost us $9 million to to pick up that fifth-year option, but it'll be kind of telling whether or not we, we re-sign him because a lot of people thought in the beginning of the season that uh, it was kind of a steal coming from Kansas City on, uh, as far as what we what we gave to them. But in the middle of the season, specifically me, I was I was throwing a lot of shade towards towards Marcus Peters and questioning a lot of his playability when it came to some of the fundamentals like tackling and how he was uh, with the zone versus uh, him being used to the man and his uh, coverage there. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with Peters and, and if they're going to spend that $9 million or whether uh, they might look to to move on. I think Bear's right that he works well when Talib is in the mix too. So uh, it's going to be be pretty interesting to see what we do. And then another thing that Bear didn't mention is Andrew Whitworth uh, is is going to have to make a decision on whether or not he's going to retire. Uh, he's going to have to make that decision by March. 
13th. And that's going to be a big piece too, because, you know, our linemen, we got John Sullivan there, who I've heard a couple of complaints about through social media, uh, what we're going to do with our linemen. I would say Andrew Whitworth is one of the top linemen in the NFL, in my opinion. Uh, so I hope that he comes back. But if he doesn't, we that that opens up a major uh, major hole in that offensive line. So this offseason is going to be really really interesting for us. So there's a couple offensive linemen that are long in the tooth, and so you mentioned Whitworth, who I do agree I think is a hell of a player, and he seems to be a hell of a dude. On top of that, mm-hmm. um, and you talked about the possibility of him retiring. You guys, you guys also talked about uh, keeping Peters and Tlaib. Uh, I guess if it were me personally. I would see what goes on with Peters, what you can get him for, but I wouldn't overpay one cent for him. Uh, but Talib, yeah, I, that's the guy I bring back. He seems like the key cog uh, in that defense somehow, uh, other than Aaron Donald, of course, but uh, of the new guys that came in. But also the other big key cog would be Wade Phillips. He's not exactly a spring chicken. Is he a yeah. guy that's going to be sticking around? You know, they just actually signed uh, his son, Wes Phillips, to come in and coach the tight ends. And uh, he, it's weird because Wade Phillips, as old as he is, it, and maybe it's a generational thing, you think, oh, he's not going to be awesome on Twitter. But you're wrong. Wade Phillips is awesome <laughs> on Twitter. If you're not following him, go follow him. And he puts out tweets, you know, randomly. And he put kind of a cryptic tweet out that kind of said, Sean McVay and, and this youth of the coaching staff is going to be able to kind of move this team forward. And there was this, you know, people are like, is he going to come back? Is he not? And then he was interviewed later and he basically said his first year with the team, they went and knocked on the door. They didn't get anywhere. And the the next year they went pounding on the door, AK this year into the Super Bowl. And then the following year, AK the year coming up, they're going to kick that son of a bitch down and go charging in and win the Super Bowl. So he made a bold statement that I kind of feel that he's coming back, but you're right. As far as he's not a spring chicken, how many years do you get out of Wade Phillips? I think it's one to two and probably, I mean, I would love to just because I love his personality with Sean McVay and kind of that youth and, and the wisdom and the knowledge and, and the age with, with uh, Phillips as well. Adding his son, I think it's going to help kind of create him a little bit better environment to be around and that family thing, blah, 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 all that stuff. So I expect him <laughs> around for at least one to two more years. I think he's still got it. I, I don't, I never really liked him as a head coach. I love him as a D coordinator and uh, we would be, blessed I think to have him back because this defense although struggled throughout time uh was able to kind of find that core find that that wave whether it was in the second half or not or even into the playoffs uh it takes time to gel these guys there was that was the big question all these new guys how are you going to gel them and I think he finally started to figure out the pieces especially near the end and we got a lot of youth we finally have some draft picks so uh, I'd love to see Wade back for another year. Well, when you're talking about and listing off the potential free agents, the three biggest ones that you mentioned were Sue, Saffold, and Joyner. Assuming that you can only keep one of those three guys, which one do you pick? Roger Saffold, no doubt about it. Uh, Joyner, I think we could replace uh, with with a safety. I think there's plenty of opportunity, whether through the draft or even... I know a guy up in Seattle that isn't too fond of the Seahawks and would love to play them twice a year that I think is coming off an injury that may be a little bit cheaper than you normally would be that I would love. You're not getting Earl Thomas, Bear. You're not getting Earl. I I I was going to say, the big reason you're not getting Earl Thomas is your team's name isn't the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the funny thing. I think, you know, obviously, I think we've got a one in four chance of getting Earl Thomas because that is 
three other teams in the NFC West that I think he's dying to play for, and then the Cowboys. So I'll take a one in four chance of getting Earl Thomas, especially when our team just went to the Super Bowl and has like a couple other defensive players like Aaron Donald that you can say, hey, look at these guys, and Tlaib and Peters that we just said, come be a part of whatever nickname you want to name us next, uh, you know, because they tried Los Angeles and that didn't work out really well this year, but. Uh, I would love to see that. So I don't think it's LaMarcus Joyner. And Sue, I just honestly, unless he comes on a really discounted price because he enjoys the Super Bowl and wants to play in meaningful playoff games, I don't want to pay him $14 million again. I don't want to pay him $10 million a year. I don't want to pay, you know, I think I think my, my mark for him is going to be, you know, 7 to $8 million on a, another shorter, you know, maybe a two-year deal. I don't know if that's going to be enough for him. So I let him walk for sure. And another name to throw in there is Dante Fowler. I mean, he's a young guy, former first-round pick, fit in the system well. He was some of our only edge pressure. That's going to be a big concern for us moving forward. How do we get pressure other than Aaron Donald from the D-line position? You know, uh, So that's going to be interesting too. But I, I think right out the gate, it's Saffold, hands down. Well, it's going to be an interesting offseason for you guys. There's definitely going to be a significant amount of change. Uh, I think that's one thing that we can all agree on. Um, and I think it's going to make you guys worse. And uh, we're, we'll be beating you in the playoffs this year. So. <laughs> yes, we're, we're very hopeful for that. But you know what? You guys have the, the winning bet for 2018 to fall back on. So what are your plans for us uh, now that you have each one uh, over the both of us this past season? Yeah, we got to know. We got to know whose jersey you want and in what color, and uh, and then I I know uh, Bears got a script to write for me that I have to read and put out. So that's going to yeah, be re- really fun. Yeah, you got to remind me of this script because uh, I was asking James the other day. I was like, I remember I, my, my my ask was the loser was going to have to wear it regardless of any team making the Super Bowl on Super Bowl Sunday. That was thrown out immediately. I understand why. And this year, if that was actually agreed upon, can you imagine how rough that would have been having to wear a Rams jersey while they're playing in the Super Bowl? And so I, what was the script for? Because I remember something else part of the bet. Yeah, basically, uh, it, it can just be anything that you want me to say. Like, I have to read what you write down. And, oh, this is going to be uh, Oh, yeah, boy. you know, like 30, 45 seconds, something okay. like that. All right. I'm and, gonna, uh, and I'll do that wearing the, the jersey. And uh, yes. uh, yeah. So, all right. I mean, well, I I'm think, a man of my word. I lost the bet. I like it. I like it. And uh, I, you're my favorite person to bet with. I think I'm undefeated so far. <laughs> so all bets are welcome again. Uh, we can do this again next year. We'll kind of. Oh, what's happening? <laughs> Mr. Short Sample Size. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. It ended up being a pretty good year for us, and, and we'll take it for sure. I'm gonna have to go to the drawing board and write write a couple drafts. I never have good, uh, you know, I'm not good with the uh, punctuation and everything. So I'll run it by my editor James to make sure that everything looks well, and we'll make sure we get something over to you here so you can read it. It's gonna be fun, that's for sure. And uh, as far as Jersey goes, I may have to give it a think, but I'm already kind of leaning towards. One guy I know that I really love and was discussed about in this show, and we didn't get to see him the full year, but that's Cooper Cup, uh, you know, mm. a former Washington product coming down here to California and making it big time. So that's probably where I'm leaning right away. But I'll have to go on to the you know the Rams NFL shop and, and take a look and see what's available. Uh, they got a lot of these ugly Rams colors still out there until we rebrand it in yeah. 2020, which is kind of annoying. But uh, we'll, it will probably be a, a blue jersey or a color rush jersey in that yellow. Everything else that is Rams doesn't really come out that well. Uh, but James, that, uh, what, what are your thoughts? So I agree with Barry. Got to do the retro blue and gold. Those are my favorite colors by far. I'm, I 
I'm ready to move on to the new colors in 2020. So as far as jersey, it's it's kind of funny when I when I was doing all my constructive criticism, I'd call it, with Marcus Peters over the season. I asked Bear, you know, at one point I even said, "Can I cross out the Peters jersey and make it somebody <laughs> else?" Because I was so frustrated with him. <laughs> so uh, you know, due to him winning me the bet, I think I don't know if I had to default to a Peters jersey, but if I had to decide, I I, I think Bear took my cup uh, jersey. I don't know if those uh, would be hard. Yeah, to we get probably or not, couldn't but, order. Two. That would probably be out of the question. <laughs> They're yeah, sold out. So, Only one left. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go with my boy Goff, though. I think I'm going to get have to do a number 16. Uh, he was my my dude all season, except for the Super Bowl. Uh, so so that's my guy. And I, Brandon, did we? You know, I made a f- pretty good video for you last year, and I don't think we really solidified what we'd have to do. But I, I think we kind of agreed on some football drills or something along those lines. Yeah, I think it was something from the Pro Bowl Skills Challenge. Was what we we're right, going to shoot right. for. Okay. So I think, yeah, we gotta, we gotta, uh, tighten up exactly what, what we need, but I can't wait to, to, to see what you guys are able to put together, um, and, and to rock my jersey all next season. All right. So we're leaning Cooper Cup and, uh, and James has Jared Goff, but you know, if Bear wants to go with somebody else and, and you want to go back to Cup or, or if you just want to go with Cooper Cup, you know, both of you guys can like the same player. It's okay. Uh, yeah. we just need to know what we need to buy. <laughs> I, I refuse to buy a Cooper Cup jersey unless one of you guys go through a whole show on on you know either Locked On or the Rams podcast and uh, can do the whole show. And when you talk about Mister Cup, not say Cooper Cup, like because it seems like it's mandatory league mandated that you have to say his full name every time. Nobody just says, "Hey, look, Cup made a reception or good job by Cooper." It's always, "Oh, Cooper Cup." Well, <laughs> it's funny because that is so true. 100% true. And for a while, we had Farrell Cooper on the team. So when you said Cooper, you threw people off because obviously we knew probably who you were talking about. So I think that was the trend of how it started. And then maybe Cup was just too short. Didn't have the it, the Cooper Cup together just had, you know, especially once we had Marcus Peters on Monday Night Football to open it up and he was yelling Cooper Cup. Like everyone just loved that clip that came out from that game and uh, it's just fun to say. I mean, you know, you love it. <laughs> so that's the deal. That's the deal, you guys. If you if you both want cup jerseys, you have to make it through one episode of the Rams podcast where you don't use both names together. He either has to be Cooper <laughs> or Cup, and and that's easy, it. Easy. Otherwise, you're going to have to pick two different jerseys. Well, me and James hang out too much to have matching jerseys, so we'll have to do a rock paper scissors or something. <laughs> we we've gone throughout with having Rams podcast jerseys and or uh, shirts and. We look like little twinsies. Yeah, so, we match yeah, enough we'll probably, at training camp. It's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, we'll have to find something different. <laughs> All right, but you're definitely going retro blue and gold for both of them. For sure. All right, guys. Well, I uh, want to thank you for coming on the show and breaking down the Super Bowl, talking a little bit about uh, our bet. And, uh, you know, if uh, people want to check out the show through the offseason, maybe they know a Rams fan who wants to listen. Where do they go to check you out? Yeah, you can find us. We've got multiple things going right now. We've got Rams Podcast. So on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Rams Podcast. Uh, at Jay Kroger 3 for my man James. I'm LA underscore Rambling Bear on Twitter. And we also have Locked On Rams. And we're on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere that you listen to a podcast. We're there. So yeah, come check us out. Come try to troll us. We don't care. We're here to, we're here to talk football and have fun. Uh, we're excited to talk to you guys again. So as we get a little bit further, maybe after the draft, we'll loop back with you guys and feel uh, kind of feel out how you feel about the draft and, and where the picks went. And we can kind of see what happened in free agency and talk about getting ready to, you know, sweeping you guys again in the NFC West. 
Well, Bear, be sure that for your next trip to Disneyland, be sure to tell us when it is so we can continue to have Seahawks fans harass you um, while you're at the park. Yeah, California people. It's in California. Enough Seahawk gear down here. I've uh, it was it was pretty upsetting at at Disneyland getting trolled by Seahawks fans in my NFC Championship shirt, but. Hey, man, I'll take it anytime. I always love uh, the rivalry between the two teams. And, you know, especially being closer here in California makes a lot more fun. So anytime you guys want to chat, hit us up. We'd be more than happy to do it. Well, appreciate you coming on. Cool. Yeah, thanks for having us. You bet. Go Hawks. Yeah, go Hawks. The big thanks to James and Bear. Those guys are always fun to talk to, even though they've made a terrible life choice in, in picking which team they want to root for. They did it to themselves. So I really have no sympathy, but uh, I do like the guys. Like uh, they're always just a treat to talk to for sure. And uh, I'm trying to say nice things, so maybe Bear doesn't make life totally miserable for me. That's true. He has he has you under his thumb now with this yeah, script that he's going to be writing for you. A little bit. Yeah, that's not super exciting. Mm-mm. I'm not looking forward to having to open up the wallet either to buy jerseys for both these guys. Yeah, maybe but- maybe that's what we use all that field goals money for. That. Uh, that they paid us to, to move over to their platform. Yeah, that would probably that probably pay for like a stitch in one of the jerseys. <laughs> I think I, I tallied it up from this last show, Adam. Yeah, we're going to be able to split two fifty. Two fifty. That's amazing. Oh, wait, no, oh. That, that's each our share. And that's two dollars and fifty cents. Oh, all right. Money, money, <laughs> money, money, money. Yeah, I'm getting rich. Yeah. What are you doing with your two dollars and fifty cents, Brandon? Um, hmm. That's, Tell that's, me you're buying a Golden Girls calendar. <laughs> I should. I yeah. should buy. I, I should uh, Golden Girls calendar or mm, there's so many different ways I could go with it. I could do gonna, another. I could rent another Sandra Bullock movie uh, after yeah. watching The Blind Side. I'm going to I'm going to put a down payment on a sandwich. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> I, I hope so. You can down. I'm going to go to Subway and see if I can't uh, get like a meatball sub on layaway. <laughs> I'd be like, no, hold on to it for just like two more weeks. And just I, put I'm that sandwich back. in the back. Right. And uh, preferably in the fridge. Yes. Or just outside at this time of year. That'll be fine. Right. And uh, and I'll come back for it. Right. When I, when I get the rest of that field goes money. Exactly. It'll be in another four weeks. Well, I think what we're going to do moving forward, because they, it, it was it's it's fun to join a, a platform of you know something that we followed for so long, mm-hmm. you know, getting a lot of Seahawks news through field goals and you know talking to Kenneth over the years before that, Danny Kelly. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it'll be the it'll be fun to do the show over there. I know for some of our listeners, it's a little bit of a shift because, you know, you got to find another uh, platform to subscribe to, especially if you listen on our app. You know, those shows aren't going to go through our Seahawkers podcast app. But you know what? We're, we're still going to keep around the Seahawkers podcast feed. Uh, I'm still going to be putting out shows uh, every other week through the off season, you know, on the off weeks that we're not doing a show for field goals and having guys on like Rob Staten, mm-hmm. you know, interviews with other podcasters throughout the off season, just to, to keep it going. And because I like doing this week to week, Adam, I know you need a break every other week. So I, I think that'll yeah. work out well for the both of us. Yeah, it's going to be better. The less I have to talk about, uh, you know, Tyler Lockett's tweets, or uh, you know anything like that? He's the, got a strong the, Twitter game, though. You have to you have to give him that. Neat. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> I got a new tablet, 
And uh, the only place I could check Twitter was on my old tablet because uh, it was the only place I downloaded it. I have no idea what the password is to the Twitter account. Mm-hmm. It would auto log in, right? Yeah. And I never downloaded Twitter on the new tablet. I did that at, uh, oh, right after Thanksgiving. You know what? I haven't missed one bit. You missed Twitter? No. I could see that. Yeah. Because say it with me, people. If it's on Twitter, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, offending all of the people in our Twitter audience that uh, the frequent Twitter. It's a good place for information. Uh, no, it's just that's it. Next time you start getting mad about things that are on the Twitter, just repeat that to yourself. It'd be better for you. It doesn't matter. You shouldn't let it impact your life. No, it's on Twitter. It's like reading the YouTube comments. Yeah, a little bit. Although yeah. our YouTube commenters are awesome. Yeah, surprisingly. Like I was, I was ready to get lambasted, you know, but uh, yeah, my everybody, for the most part, you know, hasn't been real mean. Although it, maybe it starts to get mean when we don't post the field goal shows to, to YouTube because field goals doesn't seem to be into the, the posting on the YouTubes. No, they're, they're, they're not a fan apparently for some unknown reason that couldn't be explained, but uh, <laughs> that's okay. So YouTube people follow us over, find, find a, a platform where you can follow us on field goals. Yeah. What is uh what is the way they can follow us on field goals, Brandon? How, how would you go about doing that? I would check the show notes. And because we are in iTunes, we're in Spotify. The, the field goals feed is in iTunes. It's in Spotify. It's in Stitcher and uh, all the podcast apps. If you have an Android device, there's subscribe on Android. Uh, there's a link for that. So I'll put it into the show notes. I'll put it up onto our Seahawkers podcast website for this episode. And that way people listening to this can go and, and find the new feed and listen to that the way they want to. Be like what we've been doing over the years. That's we're doing the same dang thing on field goals, just with the name field goals instead. Right. So yeah, that's where the show will be as always the same as it ever has been. Yeah. We're not changing the show really. No. I mean, we, we've over the years, we've tweaked it like here and there, just oh, with yeah. little things. But like, yeah, no, it is what it is. It's you and me talking Seahawks. Right. And, and the little flockers off. and a do better and a better life. That's it. That's the formula. Yeah, yeah. we got it. Radu Marchant, he posts on Facebook, says super cool in reaction to our, our announcement this last week. How are yeah. you guys planning the frequency of this versus the original or is it replacing the original? And, and I think we covered that, you know, doing that every other week on, on each platform through the off season. Once the season starts, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out from there. Right. Yeah. We're just kind of, you know, giving it a, giving it a little uh, test spin here. Yeah. We're weighing it. Yeah, it works. Yeah. On YouTube. Beanie says, does this mean less Seahawks podcasts? No, it's going to be week to week, but every just in other two w- spots, just yeah. in two spots. I know. Right. And Jacob asks, will all the shows still be on the app? As far as the Seahawkers podcast shows, they will still be there. And uh, the field goals podcast, uh, until they have an app, they'll, they'll be in the, the feeds that we mentioned. Uh, best places to, to try and find it through there. And lastly, Sam Dath, he says, I am excited for the field goals podcast and Seahawkers podcast teaming up throughout the offseason. Go Hawks. Thanks, Sam. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm excited for it, too. Uh, it's going to be fun to be exposed to a whole new group of people and uh, kind of see see where things go. See if there's a chance for some extra growth there and, you know, grow uh, grow the community of all these little flockers, man. And we, we've seen in the comments through field goals that a couple of people found us who had never heard of us before. So after doing this for six years, you'd think, oh, Seahawks fans who listen to podcasts, right. they, they should know that we're out there. Well, yeah. Turns out. Turns out not so much. 
But that just goes, you know, that it lets you know if you have a friend who's a Seahawks fan and you think, oh, well, they should know. They, right. they may not know. And the best way to spread the, the word about Adam and I doing shows is through word of mouth and letting them know. Absolutely. All right. Well, some people who do know about the show and participated in our Pick'em League this last year, uh, Jesper Sacco. We're going to be bringing him on and talking about his big win. And before we do that, let's talk about the people who were in the top four for the Pick'em League, starting with number four, Casey Hawk, who wins the Camp Chancellor signed football. So congrats to Jeff and KC for the win. That's a that's a damn good prize for fourth place. I know you you were wanting that. You had your eyes on that at the beginning of the season. Kind of did. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I know they say if you ain't first, you're last. But if I would have been fourth, I'd have felt like I was first. Big Dixon Energy. Our good friend Flocktimus Prime pulling down the Walter Jones autographed jersey in third place. That's pretty sweet, too. And uh, I know I know Keith will. uh do it proud. However he displays it or decides to wear it, whatever it is that uh, that Keith does with it, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Twelfth Hawker Locker, Garrett in Northern Ontario, getting the Steve Largent signed football at number two. That's awesome. He's also trying to recruit the state of Montana to come be part of Canada. <laughs> yeah, both him and uh, some of the other members of the Ring of Honor. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're definitely in on that. Yeah, I think so. I think so. As far as our Canadian uh, Ring of Honor members go, I, I don't know if there were too many folks in the U.S. who were super happy about that idea. Yeah, but they, they're not seeing the second half of that. Is that the whole idea is that they'd sell Montana to Canada and then pay off the national debt? They were a little bit low on the asking price, though. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, that's see, that's the that was the part of that whole little Facebook post that alarmed me the most is that somebody out there thought that one trillion dollars would get it done. <laughs> to pay off the national debt. And um, you might want to check our national credit card statement because it's a little higher. <laughs> it's, it's, it's more in the, in the twenties uh, range. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks to Vincent Parker for posting that initially too, and, and wanting to, to get us up in, in part of Canada because you know, the landscape's similar. The, the people around here in Montana are similar. I, I think we'd, we'd integrate well into the Canadian system. Yeah. I think we'd assimilate. I think we would. If we didn't die from their uh, total lack of healthcare, like somehow we'd have to survive that. We, we would. Do have you think to you can be a survivor of the Canadian healthcare system? I, I think people up there seem to do all right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I, I think I think they have some different laws in terms of some recreational substances that are a little bit different too. Yeah. Yeah. But there would be an issue with uh, the gun part. Like I know there's some possessions that certain people in the state have that wouldn't be lawful there. Oh, that would, that would turn it over pretty quickly, I suppose. Well, well you know what? They, know. They, maybe we just need to merge our two governments uh, and, and maybe even merge the two names. I, I like the, the name Montana. Montana. <laughs> Sounds like you have a stutter though. A little bit. Cantana. There's no, there's no Canton Montana. Mm, Canton. That's a good point. Actually. Yeah. There's only a Mont. Well, we got a little bit derailed from our <laughs> pick and league winners. But uh, with that said, uh, let's bring on Jesper Sacco. Jesper, all the way from Sweden, coming on the show to accept his win this season, the first place win, and the Russell Wilson signed art print. Jesper, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, Brandon. I'm fine. How are you? You know, it's fun when we go through the entire season with the pick We finally come down to a winner. And then to find out that uh, you're all the way on the other side of the world from where we are, although probably similar weather, 
uh, compared to Montana uh, with the snow. But uh, yeah, congrats on the big win, man. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Do you have any tips that you want to give out? Or are you, are you uh, going <laughs> to keep that to yourself to try and win again next year? You need to be a beginner. This is actually my first time doing this <laughs> pick and thing. So it's just begin. beginner's luck. Beginner's luck. All right. Well, that's the only tip I can give you. <laughs> I'm curious, being in Sweden, how did you get to be a Seahawks fan? When I was young, I always watched like uh, Frasier. You know the TV show Frasier? Oh, sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, played in Seattle. Uh, the years go by and I started watching NFL, but I didn't follow any team about the time when Seattle was beginning to be a very good team and they showed a lot on TV in Sweden. So I started to follow Seattle and they kind of grown on me and with the players and Pete Carroll and everyone. Yeah, so put all the pieces together with with the Fraser uh, from Seattle. I always liked McLemore as well, the okay. rapper. Uh-huh. And then Seattle with all the characters, you know, Sherman... Russell and Doug Baldwin and Pete and everyone. It all goes back to Frazier. That's, uh, that's where it, it started, the, Frazier, the connection yeah. to Seattle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you uh, you get the Russell Wilson signed art print. Yeah, that's amazing. The custom buck knife. I, I hope you, yeah, I think you saw yeah. that on the Facebook page. So I saw it on the Facebook page. Yes, it's amazing. And thank you, Daniel, for donating. Yes. That. So have you ever run into any other Seahawks fans over there? Yeah, we got this Facebook group, CLC York Sweden, that started this year. And this guy who started just posted it on, on other Swedish football uh, communities. And uh, we're reaching about 90 members now in Sweden. Wow. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> that's pretty strong. Yeah, it is for being in Sweden. Well, Jesper, really want to thank you for being a listener. Really want to thank you for hanging in there through the Pick'em League this year and for <laughs> yeah, uh, not picking against the Seahawks all season. Not at all. Not once. Thanks to Jesper for making the connection there and coming yeah. on the show and checking in from us from, from Sweden. You know, it is pretty cool just having that connection with the folks uh, all over the globe, really. You know, and uh, I think Jesper deserves it. I actually, usually I would trash the winner just because it wasn't me. Yeah. But but not this time, because I actually like Jesper. Yeah, I admire that he's attributing his win to just beginner's luck. Yeah, a little bit of humility. I like it. Unlike Odell Beckham Jr., he has some um, humility. <laughs> yes. One of the other things that we talked about with Jesper, the the fact that he wins the the custom engraved knife from Buck Knives that Daniel donated. Dude, that thing is sick. It's like, pretty sweet. Yeah. Can they have knives in Sweden? Is that allowed? Yeah, I asked him. I said, I'm not going to get any trouble by shipping this to you, am I? He said, no. I'll have to ask Garrett because when he came in in second place, yeah, knives have to be allowed in in Canada, too. I mean, you need them up there. If you can't kill anybody with guns, what are you going to kill them with? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's I think the UK. I think that might be the one country that I have to worry about sending them to. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah. yes, Garrett for coming in second place. Buck Knives they donated a knife uh, to the to the prize winner too, and he was the member of the flock that came in at the top. So uh, congrats to to Garrett with that. Yeah, man, just can't say enough thanks to Daniel Weinholz and Buck Knives and and all that stuff because they beautiful beautiful pieces of work. Uh, each one of these, it's it's amazing. I wanted to announce some other winners as part of this because, you know, we talked about giving out the, the top four, but I have other prizes to give away, Adam. I got some oh. leftover stuff. 
Okay, so you want to talk about you want to talk about winners, so that would not include the Rams per se. Right. Since they lost and they're losers. In, I'm still flying a little high from that. Oh yeah, I'm milking that all year. I mean, if our team can't win, we can win by the just, Rams losing? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. So so the uh the little uh vault o Seahawks uh, paraphernalia has been opened and you have decided to bestow some further prizes than what we originally promised. We are overperforming here is what what I'm hearing. And you're going to give people what? Fifth, sixth? How far are you going, Brandon? Well, so what I'm going to do is I looked at it and in the past, you know, we've looked at mid-season winners. We've looked at late season winners. And when somebody just steamers roll, steamrolls all the way through the season, it, it just seems too extravagant to shower them with, you know, multiple really, really nice gifts. Right. Uh, but I was checking and I see that, for example, Jermaine Olay. He was mm-hmm. the winner of the first half of the season, weeks one through ten. Yeah, remember saying his name quite a bit. So uh, Jermaine Olay gets a Fanatics twenty five dollars gift card. No, oh, hell yeah, man! I I pulled up the winner of the first the regular season, the mm-hmm. uh, first seventeen weeks, one through seventeen. Yeah, and uh, Toonhawk was oh, the no was the one who came out on top for the first seventeen weeks. Wow. Okay. Well, congratulations to Tunock. I have what a Tunock get Frank Clark, a Frank Clark signed photo. I, that was funny because uh, you'll probably edit it out. But he started out by saying Frank Clark, <laughs> like it was like like you've been Frank Clark, <laughs> which sounds kind of terrifying. I don't want to be Frank Clark. No, no. And actually, <laughs> I think the photo is of Frank Clark. Frank Clarking somebody. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Are we going to just change sacks to Frank Clark's? Yeah. Yeah. See, there it is. Uh, Frank Clark Clarking. Is that that Nick Mullins or is it Garoppolo? It's one of the it's one of the 49ers quarterbacks. One of the tan 49ers quarterbacks. So this was in Seattle. You don't know what year, though. No, that's true. Yeah, can't really make out the number because Frank Clark is in the process of, of clarking He's in pretty full hard. Clarking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I don't have to edit, edit that out. <laughs> yeah. There you go. See, Thanks. I'm just saving you. You yeah. saved me. Appreciate saving you that, from man. the work. And finally, James Eastwood. He had the top score for weeks 11 through 21, which was the final week of the season. And the cool thing about him is he had been asking me all season uh, who gets the Malik McDowell rookie card, the signed mm-hmm. rookie card, if if nobody earns it through uh, picking against the Seahawks and finishing at, at top. Correct. Yeah. So for James, he's going to get the, the Malik McDowell signed rookie card. Now that is national treasure. It feels like it's a part of the show. Like it has no uh, value, Intrinsic monetary value. Monetary value. No, but it has it has a lot of sentimental value. There you go. All <laughs> right. Well, cool. Well, hopefully James does appreciate that. He will. Like I said, he, he's been he's been on me about saying, you know, I want this. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't realize like he was saying it as he want. He was just curious, like what's going to happen. No, he he legit said, I this want is, that. I need this. <laughs> I like James style. That's awesome. So thanks to all the members of the flock. Thanks to everyone who participated in the league. Uh, while I was talking to Jesper on the phone, he said, you know, I, I kind of want to get in on this flock thing, but I don't want to go to get in the flock.com and do the monthly thing. I want to mm-hmm. just do a, a one-time deal, get in the flock. And I said, Hey, we, we have options for that. You can go to seahawkerspodcast.com slash support. Our PayPal address is there. Um, you know, if you, if you have Venmo, I, I have the cash app now, Adam. 
the, the cash app sign and Hakra is, is my tag name. Okay. And one of the cool things, I know you listen to Joe Rogan. He, he finally, he, he got me to bite on this whole cash app thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I listen to him. I just don't let him tell me what to do. <laughs> well, the, the thing was, is I went to the, the cash app website and you could customize the debit card that they send you. Oh, is that where you got this? And that's where I got, I, I did catfish the Rams with the, the cat emoji and, and I drew a little fish and wrote out the Rams and they sent me a debit card that says catfish the Rams on it now. I'm sure whoever was in charge of printing that card was very confused. <laughs> what, why would, what, what is this? Cat, I don't know. No. <laughs> what, do, what do catfish and Rams have all thing to do together? It makes no sense as a combination, yeah. but to our little flockers. They know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. Posted a picture of that in the Ring of Honor. That was pretty funny. It's true. And we have a new member of the Ring of Honor, Adam. Really? Yeah. Greg Carlson in at 1212. Ah, all right. It's about damn time, Greg. You know, his wife, yeah. Lisa, in Seattle as a happy Valentine's Day present. Uh, nice. Got him into the Ring of Honor. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, Merry Valentine's Day. Lisa emails in and says, hey, guys, today is Valentine's Day. And what a better day to take the next step in my relationship with my wonderful husband, Greg Carlson, by signing him up to get in the flock. I'm sharing the bounty of my truest loved ones, the Seahawks and the wonderful Ring of Honor community. Go Hawks from Lisa in Seattle. Go Hawks, Lisa. That's uh, that's hilarious. Number one. And then I really love the idea that bringing them into the Seahawks podcast Ring of Honor is another step in evolution of their relationship, like over marriage. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, after you've been together for a while, like you have to start thinking of things like, especially those of us who can't afford matching Mercedes, uh, like Russell Wilson and Sierra, like matching ring of honor memberships. Now that's, that's something that's uh, probably more in the, in the wheelhouse for most of us. Right. And requires less maintenance. And if you don't have to go back and forth with your Instagram posts on, you know, your lovey dubby uh, emotional things that you have to put out to the entire world. No, dude, you just send an in- dude, email to the to, show. They need to get a little more in house. Like, that's too much out in the public, dude. I had a problem with that. Yeah. Okay. If, if I had to do better this week, it would be for Russell Wilson and Sierra. I didn't watch it, to be clear. I just knew that that was not good. <laughs> I knew that I didn't want to watch it. Right. But I read what they said to one another. I said, yeah, okay. I don't need to see that. I mean, I, I'm really happy that they're happy, right? Oh, for sure. Right. But I just... I'm on a need-to-know basis, I think, and I don't need to know any of that. Well, and I think, you know, you're with me, and, and even my wife, you know, we're not demonstrative in how we show our affection. So when we when we see that, like, mm-hmm. out, in the, out in the wild, that's just too much. Yeah, like, uh, me and my daughter, like, when we're out in public. Yeah. So you know how in The Princess Diaries, like, or The Princess, Princess Bride, Bride, yeah. Wesley, instead of saying, I love you, would say, as you wish. Right. I look at my daughter and I say, I don't like you very much. And she says, I don't like you either. And then we move about our day. That's how we handle that in public. As you know, that seems more about my, my speed. Yeah. I get some weird looks from some parents now and then when I just look at her like, Hey, like she'll be walking away. Hey, I don't like you. <laughs> she's like, good. I don't like you either. I was like, bye. That's other people's problem. Yeah. They don't need Sorry, to get they're you. They're not in on the code. An email that came in says you need to give a better at life segment to NFL films for the YouTube video. The art of the get back coach. 
I do this. I'm in the ring of honor. Pokemon go hating and all Adam and Brandon. <laughs> Betty White is an Osprey. And if one of you don't, you'll get a Rain City Bitch Pigeons review on iTunes. Yes. Oh, man. I, I'm holding you hostages. But you will either get a Ring of Honor member or a five-star review full of hate. Your choice. Bring on the fire emojis. We do not negotiate with terrorists. I, I think with uh, Paul in St. Louis, maybe we do need to negotiate in terms of with terrorists. Or he needs to tune in and find out if, if in fact, we will negotiate. Okay, so this is this is what I think we need to do with Paul in St. Louis. Let's do the segment as a request. But I kind of want the review with like all of the like hilarious uh, non-hate hate and fire emojis and you know that sort of thing. Oh, so you want both? I yeah, I kind of want to. I kind of want to treat it as a roast. Well, you know what? I I think I think in Paul's case. For one, he needs to do better and realize that we already have a level at getintheflock.com where you can pitch your idea of a better life at the $25 level. So I say we either don't let him in the ring of honor okay. uh, if he only does 12 uh-huh. until he gets the five star review in. Okay. If he does the $25 level as he should, yes. then uh, then he, that allows him to escape having to do the review to get in. I like it. See, now we're negotiating back with terms. I feel like I just talked with the FBI or something. That was really smooth by you. Was it Samuel L. Jackson in a movie like The Negotiator? Something like that? I feel like I just... We yeah. said at the end of the Field Goals episode, we needed to watch The Negotiator. And I, that's, I think, what I learned. That you can, in fact, negotiate. And we'll see how this works out from here. Well, uh, hopefully, hopefully Paul doesn't take us all down. <laughs> and get in the flock, you freeloader. Yeah. <laughs> getintheflock.com we will continue to keep that going uh, as we stash away all the field goals money that uh, that we're bringing in from moving over there <laughs> I'm just I'm gonna be sleeping on a mattress uh, just stuff filled or you know just stuff full of pennies yeah that's gonna be a tiny mattress <laughs> <laughs> that's all right when we got into this it, it was for the fun of talking to one another every week that was that was the goal well, yeah, and I mean the whole idea too of just doing this with uh, field goals is just so that again we get more exposure. Try yeah. to try to grow the show. Just do something a little different. Yeah, what it's been hell? six years. Let's yeah. try things a little bit differently. Sometimes you know, once you get to that six seven year mark in a relationship, you got to spice things up. Spice it up. <laughs> yeah. John Davison emails in says, "Well, I just watched Super Bowl Fifty Three. I know you call it Super Bowl, but frankly, it wasn't that super." I stayed up until 3.45 a.m. Monday morning to watch that. That that wasn't worth it, John. I'm sorry. (laughs) I must be mad. Barry sat next to me, agreed. The whole thing was crap from start to finish. And don't even get me started about the halftime show. That was worse. When this fat bloke in the fur coat came on, I knew I was old. (laughs) I also knew he was going to be shite, and he was. The whole thing was three hours of my life that I'll never get back. Ah, well, Uh on to the draft, I guess. I've been thinking about what we need and found Rob Staten very informative and a great help. And he's a Brit. I reached the conclusion that any position would be welcome. So don't mind a D-line, O-line, a receiver or a cornerback. But I guess we'll trade down as normal. Go Hawks from John Davison. P.S. Gutted to be fifth in the pickums and just out of the prizes. But congrats to the winner. You didn't give John a prize after that? You know what? I just announced it. He's the one getting the Frank Clark autograph photo. So this will be news to him now. Oh, well, lucky for John. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, John, you you can't get that time back in your life. But you can't take solace in the fact that the Rams had to suck it and lose 
And uh, so that wasn't too bad. You can be happy that uh, that happened, but knowing that you never get that time back, like that's legit sleep time that he missed out on. Yeah, yeah. In the middle of the night, like I watched it during the middle of the day that okay, fine. But like watching in the middle of the night and look, I want to share John's sentiment where really I want America to share in John's sentiment about the halftime show. I think all of America agreed. And it wasn't great. I just don't know if it was as bad as, as people are going on about. It was just legit boring. Yeah, the halftime show matched the game. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't anything exciting. Yeah. You know, no, it wasn't the- uh you know, was it Lady Gaga that came down, like jumped in through the rafters? Yeah. And then there was like one year Katy Perry like rode in on like a giant mechanical lion or some crap. Yeah. See, at least those had, you know, moments. I don't know. Some people will say that like meteor thing that came down was supposed to be cool. Oh, well, that was a cartoon. And then didn't it just. I don't know. I don't know. I was trying not to fall asleep. Well, hopefully people aren't falling asleep in this show, but uh, BJ Pester emails in. Sounds like uh, this isn't one that he sleeps through because he says, so good. Five stars. Disappointed about the Super Bowl teams. Go Seahawks. You guys are my favorite NFL podcast. And he asks, how many Hawks games have you been to? No. Well, thank you for the review, first and foremost, BJ. That uh, that always helps. It definitely does. And we'll need we'll need a lot of that uh, uh, in field goals as well. Now that we're starting up there, they've started to come need- in. Yeah, they have, and but we're gonna need a lot more. Yeah, like if you if you like helping us out, like um, say you're a freeloader, which is fine. Like I'm not even mad at you. That's a way you can help out, like for free. Tell your friends, review the show. Yeah, S- send in emails, the things that we should talk about in the off season. Yes, please. <laughs> um, how many Seahawks games have you been been to, Brandon? I was trying to. I was trying to count it up. Well, you know, I growing up in Seattle, my first game. And I've been trying to figure out which one my very first game was. It was, I either saw a Saints game or a Raiders game. And it was in the 1988-1987 time frame. <laughs> and, and that was when my dad took me. And I think we sat uh, behind, it was probably the south end zone in the very last row of the stadium. <laughs> in the 300 level. Yeah. I, I remember yeah. that pretty distinctly. Right. Uh, so it was it was either the Raiders or the Saints where where I saw that. And since then, uh, I don't know, between 20 and 30, maybe. Yeah, I was going to say it's got to be up there at least. Right. Yeah. I don't know. What about be? I'm probably like what, like six or seven, five or six. You're probably getting close to double digits, I would think. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah. I mean, are we counting preseason games? Those count as games, don't they? I mean, trips to the stadium is a trip to the stadium. Right. But it still doesn't count as a game per se. It doesn't go on the record. You count postseason. Yeah, but those count. Okay. But I'll tell you what, I'll count the London game as like three and take the preseason ones off. Okay, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Because like going to another country to do it, like I felt like that was... That takes some work. And it was awesome. Yeah, I've definitely been fortunate over the years, especially since the one year that I had season tickets that I probably went to more games than any other was in 1999. Uh, the last year of the Kingdom, I, I went to probably four or five games that year. Mm. And then yeah. got to see Seattle play a few times over on the East Coast, where they always lost. Yeah. That was well, fun. Glad we fixed that. Yeah. Pete Carroll's gotten us over uh, 500 in terms of franchise wins now. <laughs> wow. Or in terms of the 500 um, right. the winning percentage. Yeah. 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 I'm picking up what you're putting down. Okay. I just want to make sure I get that right. Yeah. All right, Adam. 
what do you say we move on to better at life and find out if Paul gets what he wants. Shout out to Jalen Rose once again. You got to give the people, give the people what they want. Better at life this week to NFL Films for the video of the art of the get back coach. It was an incredible video. And in in terms with the theme of this show and talking to the guys with the Rams podcast, I have to say that the fact that the video featured Sean McVay as being the worst offender in the NFL of not being able to to stay on the sideline. Have any spatial awareness whatsoever as a freaking adult? Yeah, the timing yeah. of the the video was perfect and it led to a lot of memes online of of the get back coach like pulling back the Lombardi trophy during the Super Bowl. That was kind of fun. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I didn't see that one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It uh, it led to a lot of good moments and and you you just mentioned it Adam, the idea that a grown man a grown man, Sean McVay, needed, needs to be babysat and followed around by another grown man who has the specific duty of pulling him back on the sideline every time he by wanders the toward the field. Yes. I can't believe that a human, a human, especially of the intelligence of Sean McVay, he's a smart guy. We, we can uh, agree to that, that he's that oblivious. I, I hope that he recognizes how bad the optics are, that he can finally figure it out and and know where he can and can't walk on the sideline. Can you imagine what a nightmare he was in like grade school? Like when everybody's like, stand in a line and walk over to the bus. And like, there's Sean, like, you know, going down the slide head first and like, you know, doing cartwheels and yeah, has no idea what's going on. I, that, I was blame, like, that was like five years ago, by the way. Right. I, and I blame <laughs> his uh, grade school teachers for not putting him on a leash uh, back in, in his grade school days. Yeah. Like 2008. That, that would have fixed that. Yeah. Because look at the other adults that were featured in that, that, mo- that, that short film. Look at Mike mm-hmm. Tomlin. Look at Sean Payton. Right. Those guys were both featured in the video, but they didn't have another person hanging on their waist the whole time. What kind of an ego do you have if you're like, yeah, I can't be bothered to like control my own body. I'm going to need you to do that for me. I'm going to need you to babysit me and grab me by the waist to, to pull me back when I start to wander toward the sideline, to wander toward the field. So I kind of feel like I kind of feel like it's a better at life for the people that put together the video. Right. Uh huh. But it's also kind of a do better for Sean McVay. So is it a do better at life? You know what? It, it could be, but uh, I, I'm going to say full on bear at life. The fact that the video made McVeigh look like the biggest tool bag in the NFL. And it, it was it just the hair. It, <laughs> that was that was part of it, too. He looks like he could be a member of NSYNC for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was just what I needed uh, leading up to the Super Bowl. So for that NFL films, you are better at life than Skip Bayless. <laughs> I like it. Show me the money, Paul. Pay up. And next month, Paul, as we thank our monthly subscribers at 12 and above, you too can be a part of this list. Let's kick it off. Keith Kedover, a.k.a. Flocktimus Prime, University of Cybertron, Little Flockers, roll out. DCH from Sparks, Nevada, the University of Montana Grizzlies. Annalisa Mickelson, a.k.a. Mrs. Doug Baldwin, New York, New York, undergrad, University of North Carolina, Greensboro, graduate school, Brooklyn College. 
Eric Trench, rooting for the Seahawks out of Renton, Washington, graduated from Eastern Washington University. Gary Blum from Chappaqua, New York, and the University of Pennsylvania, your 2016 Pick'em League champion. Ron Pepper, UNLV Running Rebels, San Francisco, California. David Bloomquist, Hong Kong Hawk. Ma Sheng Yi Shu She Ye. Kevin Stedgem, Keen, Texas. Ella Esparza, Woodway, Texas, Yale University, and Sam Houston State, Eat 'em Up Cats. Lisa in Seattle. Sam Sullivan from the wonderful land of Oz, the Forhey State University. Paul from San Diego. Vincent Parker, Emily Carr University of Art Design, RN Collective. Hector Delgadillo from Los Angeles, California. Samuel Jackson Gelber, the Pasadena City College. David Van Cleen, Camus, Washington, home of the Papermakers. Mark in Kirup, Western Australia. AKA, my water spins backwards. Farmer didn't finish high school. Garrett Storm Banks, Northern Ontario, Georgian College. Jameson Holman from Murray, Utah, representing Mississippi State University. Hail State and go Hawks. And we continue to thank our monthly supporters, starting with those on PayPal, John W. in New York, Paul in Minneapolis, Pepper in Greenville, South Carolina, Seth in Tacoma, and Dawn in the Pacific Northwest. Also at 12 and above via getintheflock.com, we got Ross in Eureka, California, Christina in Manassas, Virginia, Sven in Berlin, Deutschland, James in Linwood, Roe in Federal Way, Summer in Vancouver, Hector in Issaquah, Kevin in Snohomish, Young in Anchorage, Alaska, Becca in Manhattan Beach, California, Tim in Austin, John Paul in Palmer, Alaska, Kathy in Eureka, California, Joshua in London, Brandon in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Christian in Bergen, Norway, David in Moore, South Carolina, Jonathan in Ridgefield, Craig in Pasco, Thomas in the Bronx, Len in Sanford, Florida, Jared in Missoula, Montana, Hector in Van Nuys, California, Leland in West Jordan, California, Keegan in Colorado Springs, John in Pearson, Nebraska, Taylor in Federal Way, Owen in Ashburn, Ireland, Kari in Rochester, Jeff in Waddell, Arizona, Michael in Tucson, Arizona, Brian in Berlin, Connecticut, Gary in Kaneohe, Hawaii, Eric in Seattle, Tracy in Kaneohe, Hawaii, Connie in Gothenburg, Sweden, Max in Honolulu, Taylor in South Cleelum, Brian in Sugarland, Texas, Dean in the Greater Hockdom, Marvin in Riverdale, Utah, Brian in Greater Hockdom, JC in Billericay, UK, Lisa in Kelowna, BC, Scott in Fresno, California, Eric in Clovis, California, Bryson in Eltopia, Shannon in Florida, Aaron in Frederick, Maryland, John C. in the Greater Hockdom, Andrew in Marysville, Shoko in New York, and Greg in Seattle. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.